The Andy Staples Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deal on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Want to go see Ohio State play Michigan? Go to GameTime. Want to go to the Iron Bowl? Go to GameTime. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in Google Play or the App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, and as promised, the weekend that was supposed to be boring delivered, because it always does. We got the chaos we wanted, maybe not as much as we thought we'd get thanks to a kind of a really bad spot in the Oklahoma TCU game, though I think Oklahoma was going to win the game anyway. But still, I wish it had happened a little bit differently, and, and we'd gotten to see TCU get another crack with the ball trying to beat Oklahoma, but that's fine. Arizona State shocks Oregon. The playoff picture gets a little shaken up. Ohio State beats Penn State but looks mortal. This is a very, very interesting weekend, and it sets up a great rivalry week, and I need help digesting all of this. Max Olson from The Athletic, thank you so much for joining us because this night was nuts. I'm sitting here, I got... I got three screens going. One screen, I have Arizona State with a 17-year-old left tackle. And yeah, the quarterback is a true freshman too, and he's pretty good. Shocking Oregon. I got TCU scaring Oklahoma on one screen. And then I've got the Ned Bull. FIU and their Miami Vice helmets beating down the Canes in a baseball stadium where the Orange Bowl used to stand. Ugh. I, I had to – I mean, that, that's a good setup for you. I, I'm honestly – I just set my remote down, and that was kind of exhausting that last hour or so, jumping around, flipping – because, I, you know, I had a couple streaming, but, you know, those are kind of slow, and I had one live TV. So, uh, serious workout there for the last 30 minutes to an hour. Um, my my goodness. Did, did after, the o, after the OUTCU game, did you – you know, like the gunfighter, did you put the remote up to your lips and blow the smoke <laughs> off of it? 100%. Yes, that was... I, a lot of other people were doing different things at the end of that TCU game. Gary Patterson was was screaming, and, and rightfully so. Uh, it's too bad Bruce didn't... I, I read his I, lips. I, I read his lips very accurately. It, it, you know, the post-game press conference there, uh, he... Uh, if he, if he draws a fine on that one, I, I wouldn't blame him. Not to say TCU would have won that game. But I just, I mean, I just don't get how you make that call on that spot. That's a, that's that's a brutal break for TCU. It was a horrific spot one, which look after my line judge experience in the Georgia Spring game, I get it. It's really hard to do that job. But they had replay. <laughs> they had a review where they clearly showed that no part of Jalen Hurts or the ball ever got near where he was supposed to get. But it's okay. It's all right. Because I, I don't think we're done watching Oklahoma live dangerously. I really don't. In fact, I got so inspired by that game that I went and looked up the weather for Stillwater <laughs> next week. It's going to be raining, by the way. 
It, if it's a night game, depending on where they put this game, because they've not set the time yet, if they put that game in prime time, it's gonna. It, there's a potential for it to be raining and cold, and and a slippery Chuba Hubbard making things interesting, right? Exactly, exactly. So Oklahoma living very dangerously because they're going to have to play Oklahoma State in Stillwater next week. They're going to get Baylor again. Now, here, here's my question for you, Max, because you saw the committee clearly didn't think much of Oklahoma compared to the two teams at the top of the Pac-12. Now one of those teams has lost. Utah's still doing fine. But what happens now? And, and oh, by the way, remember... There's still Alabama sitting there at five going into the Iron Bowl with Mac Jones. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I feel like this was, it's funny because it's happening at the, simultaneously, but tonight I felt like was an opportunity for Oklahoma after, you know, I think living dangerously is a perfect way to put it, but, but you could say, you could say they've looked pretty beatable the last few weeks. They found a way to win, but they've looked very beatable ever since the K-State game. And so I feel like this was kind of the, the prime opportunity for them to shoot up uh, you know, maybe into that that you know number six spot uh, with Oregon going down, and uh, instead, you know, they 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 squander a big lead, and uh, and and it gets it gets tied again. And you know, Lincoln Riley was asked by 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 our colleague Bruce Feldman after the game, "What do you make of that?" And and you know, his his spin is, "Hey, the Big Twelve is really good this year. That that's how it's been, and and I think that's how it's going to continue to be." But um, that was that was a spot for Oklahoma to to win the committee over a little bit, and and they just. Uh, you know, I I don't think that, that that's going to help them a whole lot in, in, in the grand scheme of things here. And it certainly, uh, this is the Saturday where, where Oklahoma, uh, excuse me, where, where Alabama and Utah, um, depending if Utah, Utah can take care of business tonight, uh, they, they, they have to love how that worked out. Well, but here's the thing. What's Utah's best win? Is it Washington? Is it now Arizona State? Neither one's particularly right. great, right? No, no, it's true. And, and what's Alabama's and this best damages win? the uh, you know this damages sort of the hype around the Pac-12 title game a little bit that we've sort of been uh, anticipating. Yeah, and and then there's the other piece of that, and we were talking about it in relation to the SEC going into this weekend. What if Texas A&M goes in there and beats Georgia, and then Georgia turns around and beat L- beats LSU? But instead, now we talk about it with the Pac-12. What if Oregon beats Utah in the in the title game? I mean, you know, I think Utah's the better team, but I mean, it wouldn't be that surprising, would it? It wouldn't, and that that would be the Pac-12 out again. It'd be three consecutive seasons out of the playoff, and and look, we we still think it's going to be somewhat difficult for them to get in they still there's still stuff that has to happen they need utah to win out utah hasn't actually clinched a spot in the game yet right you know, clay helton and usc are sitting there going well maybe who knows <laughs> no kidding um I, you know it's so so how do you feel about the bama side of this i mean obviously they they didn't do anything today um that makes you see them very differently um and i i don't i don't, I don't really come out of today feeling more assured that they're going to put some whooping on Auburn. So you know this is going to be a week of, of of hyping up Alabama, even though the resume hasn't changed one bit. I mean, what, what's your take on that? I feel like we still don't know anything about Alabama. We don't know how they're going to do with Mac Jones against Auburn. 
I, I do think Auburn's offense will look a little better against Alabama's defense than it did against Georgia, and I realize that sounds strange talking about Alabama's defense, but let's be honest. This is not the Alabama defense we're used to seeing. I think Auburn's going to be able to score yeah. on them some. The, the question is, what can Mac Jones and company, which he still has a good offensive line, he still has Najee Harris, he still has some of the best receivers in the country, what do they do against a really really good Auburn defense I I just I'm very curious about how that goes and and it does feel like something opened up on Saturday because I was watching that Ohio State Penn State, Penn State game Max and I kept waiting okay when's this going to happen when's this going to happen and when it's 21 nothing near the half I'm like there's no way Ohio State's just going to buzzsaw right. everybody you know, maybe maybe Clemson can give them a game. Maybe LSU can give them a game. I don't know, but maybe they just crush everybody. Maybe they're ninety-five Nebraska, and then stuff starts happening. And I I think the fact that Ohio State looked mortal might even be the bigger takeaway from this day than Oregon losing to Arizona State. Yeah, it's you know on one hand you look at the way that that flipped. And a lot of it was Ohio State kind of handing that to Penn State, right? I mean, that was putting them in, uh, you know, turnovers into into easy field position there, into easy points. Um, and, and in some ways, maybe like that does kind of build up the Ohio State resume a little bit that we, I mean, I would think people watch that game and and even with the margin think, okay, Penn State's pretty legit. And, and in, in some ways, you feel like that that uh, lends some credibility to even Minnesota a little bit with the way they were able to play Ohio State. So in some ways, maybe it's a resume builder, but no, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's uh, it, it was good to see Ohio State actually challenged and actually have to, uh, you know, be a little bit careful and, and, and not dig their way out of something, but, um, you know, find a way to, to, to actually pull away for, for a moment when someone made them bleed a little. It's it's the scene in Rocky Four when Drago bleeds, For sure. and and I believe Polly is the one who's he he's not a machine he's a man he's a man <laughs> so yeah Ohio State is not a machine it's a bunch of men now grown ass men like Chase Young who I, I I don't care that he was suspended for two games I, I think I'm moving him back to the top of the, the Heisman <laughs> race after today he's he's the best player in the country I'm sorry. I, I mean, do we need to ask a bunch of NFL scouts who they'd take? And I realize that's not how you're supposed to pick the Heisman, but if you were drafting a college football team based only on what happened this year and you had the first pick, how are you picking anybody but Chase Young? <laughs> okay, this is good because I have a question for you. I wrote about this in, in the Saturday Takeaways. That'll, that'll be up Sunday morning on The Athletic. Um, I, I, I'm curious where you kind of weigh in there on the Fields versus Young versus Dobbins conundrum because – at various times, all three of them, you know, kind of look like they, they should be getting a lot of Heisman votes, you know, and, and they have a chance, I think, to do something that hasn't happened in 45 years. We haven't had a year where three guys from one team finish in the top 10 in the Heisman uh, since the 1973 Ohio State Buckeyes. So I'm curious. I, 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 I mean, Dobbins has been so good in these games that I feel like uh, in their big games that I feel like he deserves some votes from folks. Where do you kind of weigh on – on uh, on those three kind of stealing votes from each other. I can definitely see them all getting in the top ten. It, it, it's interesting because I feel like there's there's sort of a pecking order where the, the votes will automatically go to Fields because he's a right. quarterback. He's got the ball in his hands every play. 
I, I think Young actually will wind up being the second biggest vote getter on the team just because he's all we're talking about. And it's hard to deny when you're watching those games how great he is. So I think it's going it, to, in order on Ohio State, it would go Fields, Young, Dobbins in terms of voters, not necessarily this particular voter, but in terms of how that will shake out. Now, I was very intrigued Intrigue is probably the wrong word. At the end of the game, scary moment. Justin Fields goes down. He fumbles. His foot kind of gets trapped underneath him. He was down on the field. He got up and walked it off. But you do wonder, if they got to do this with Chris Chuganoff, are they the same team? I'm pretty sure they're not. I mean, that's that's one thing that's different from them and and some of these playoff contenders. I mean, look, you, you could say that about... Uh, you know, you could say that about Clemson and Georgia, about, uh, LSU, and, and Oregon, Alabama, Alabama. Sure, but no, they've, they they there have been some times this season because I know our, our Ari Wasserman is constantly yelling about it on Twitter. Take Justin Fields out of the game, you know, when it's in hand, and uh, that is the one thing. If you want to talk about making him bleed, that's the one thing uh, that could be their downfall is if he ever gets hurt. Yeah, it, that that was a really interesting game on a lot of fronts. The the Will Levis thing was was really yeah. interesting. I mean, he comes in. It's a tough spot for a redshirt freshman quarterback to get thrown into as a backup, but he was great. I think a lot of that had to do with – remember the SEC championship game last year when Tua got hurt and, and Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. came in and Georgia's defense looked like they didn't – they hadn't practiced for this because they hadn't practiced yeah. for this? That's what that looked like today. I, it is funny, though, if you you put yourself in Will Levis' shoes, you're going out on the field. Probably your first question is, hey, so real quick, we're, we're still just blocking Chase Young one-on-one for me? Or is that what we're doing here? Well, they stopped blocking him. They started reading him. They just ran read option where they read Chase Young, so nobody had to no, block him. And, and, and fortunately, he didn't tackle both people, which yeah, that's what Nick Fairley did when Oregon <laughs> tried to do it to him. 100%. So, yeah. You, you just you just have to. I just I that was an impressive performance by Will Levis. That I thought Ohio State, despite the mistakes, did a good job gutting that game out. I just I'm excited for the rest of the way because now we know we don't have a 2001 Miami situation or a 95 Nebraska situation where there's nobody capable of beating this team. Like I feel very confident saying. If Ohio State plays LSU, if Ohio State plays Clemson, if Ohio State plays, well, maybe maybe Georgia, maybe not. We'll see. But th- th- it will be a competitive game. It won't be just Ohio State buzzsawing everybody in the I way. agree. Do, as we watch some of these, like obviously I think you, you saw people freak out last weekend uh, about what LSU's defense did against Ole Miss, and then you see this week where Ohio State looks a little mortal. Has the thought crept in your into your mind a little bit that, you know, we may continue to be overlooking the the possibility that that Clemson has all the pieces to just win the whole thing. Oh, it's it's been percolating for a while for me, where I, I just kept thinking because I keep saying I want to see Ohio State right. Clemson and not I want to see Ohio State LSU because I do think Clemson probably is the more complete of the two teams if you're talking about Clemson and LSU and Ohio State is obviously pretty complete as well. Uh, I think. The other part of it is Clemson, those players have all been through all yep. this before. For Ohio State and LSU, it's a little bit different because they have not made the playoff. You know, the, Ohio State made the playoff in 2016, so are, there are guys on this roster 
who were on a playoff team, but they, they weren't really contributing. You know, they, they don't know. Clemson has guys who have been part of a national championship game last year, uh, a playoff run the year before that, maybe a national championship game the year before that. So they all have a sense of how this all works, and their leadership has a sense of how this all works. So I do think they are in just destroy people mode. They are. And now we'll see. South Carolina did did win at Georgia, <laughs> so who knows? Stranger things have happened. I didn't think Arizona State had a chance tonight. We, I, I was on with Matt Brown, uh, mm-hmm. one of our editors, on Friday, and we were talking about it, and he said, what about in the desert? What about one of those games in the desert? Bring in some chaos. Because – the whole po- the whole theme of the podcast was agents of chaos. Who's going to be the agent of chaos? And I said, "Oh no, there's no way Arizona State <laughs> hangs with Oregon. Not a chance." How, how about the uh, the freshman quarterback who couldn't weigh more than a hundred pounds? Point pointing to the uh, pointing to the forearm there after all of those cold blooded throws. Jaden Daniels, man, that was incredible. He is outstanding, and I, so I was in Tempe about two weeks ago. And I talked to Herm Edwards about Daniels, and he mm-hmm. loves the guy. He, he's Herm's thing is, I got a quarterback. Now I feel like we can put the pieces around him. And it's interesting what they're doing because they are trying to to build, you know, from the big guys out. But you can't get four and five star off, uh, offensive and defensive linemen when you're at Arizona State. So they're starting a 17 year old left tackle. And uh, listen. Ladarius Henderson, the 17-year-old in question, is going to be a really good college left tackle Mm -hmm. at some point. He's not yet. They've got a 280-pound true freshman right guard named Donovan West. He might already be a really good college right guard. So they they are sort of quietly building something that could be something special. Now, let's not go crazy over one result. Remember, they lost to Oregon State. They lost to UCLA. They had lost four in a row. I don't know if they even led a game this month. So this was this was a shocker. And what what happened to Oregon? Yeah, what uh, I, I I thought the uh, now look I, one of the my favorite things about Oregon is um, they are constantly finding ways to to throw screens where they can get all five of their linemen downfield to just wreck people and I, I enjoy watching that but for yes. the most part tonight it was pretty hard to watch that Oregon offense now when they when things got desperate and they started flinging it around at the end there um, they really got moving but that that first half offensive performance I think is the thing you go back to point and point to and say what what rent went wrong here what did they not pack for the road because that was uh it, it, it was just kind of uninspired and it really created this opportunity for this Arizona State offense that has legitimately some really, really good skill talent in, in Eno Benjamin and, and Brandon Ayuk and, and Frank Darby. Like they, they gave Arizona State lots of chances to kind of get warmed up here. And and a lot of that is on, on Justin Herbert for for making some terrible throws in that game. Yeah, it's funny because Oregon when they get in desperation mode, I think the Washington game is a good example of that. That offense yeah. hums. When they really gotta have something, it maybe that should be your offense the whole time. No, it's there. It's crazy, fair. I know. I feel that way about Georgia, too. Like, when Georgia needs something, they go get it. But they can't seem to do that very often. Uh, I don't know how much of the Texas A&M game you watched today, but they just, when they needed something, like, there was a first first half drive where Jake Fromm had done nothing 
the entire yeah. game. I think he was one of seven going yeah. into the drive. And then boom, 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 three plays, three big throws, and they're in the end zone. They can do that more yeah. often. They just choose not no, when to. They're, they're, when they're, a lot of times, Jake Fromm and Georgia's offense are on schedule, and they have a very boring schedule in mind for you, you know? But the thing is, like, that's how you get beat by South Carolina is you you play a game that is intended to keep the score right. close. Don't keep the score close when you don't have to. Like, that did not need to be such a tight game against Texas no. A&M no. today. It didn't need to be. But they they that is the style they play, and they are going to get games like that. The Florida game did not need to be as close as it was. Florida did not need to have the ball late in the fourth quarter with a chance to tie the game. That it, it does not have to be that close when you have a defense that's that dominant. And I know if we have Kirby Smart on here, he will say, okay, dumbasses, <laughs> the reason the defense is so dominant is because we don't go crazy, chuck the ball all the time, don't have three and outs where we put our defense right back on the field. We do try to run some clock. So I get right. that. But I, I just feel like they are not taking advantage of all they have because they, they have some resources at Georgia that some other dudes do not have. And, you know, Oregon, I feel like, does that too. And, and listen, Mario Cristobal will also tell you we will not be going fast all mm-hmm. the time. The, the Chip Kelly days are over, and, and you know Chip Kelly doesn't even do that anymore. So they want to they want to grind out games, but the problem when you grind out games is one, it's hard to come back when you get behind like they did against yeah. Arizona State, and two, you tend to play some close games where a mistake can kill you. In in some ways, Andy, like don't you feel like um, you know if we get LSU Georgia here in Atlanta um, and LSU. Pops a couple big plays and they're up, you know, whatever, 14-0, 17-0 early. That actually might force Georgia to, to be the fun Georgia, wouldn't it? Yes, I think it would. But why can't they be fun Georgia all the time? <laughs> I think we invented a new a new character for this college football season. Fun, fun Georgia. Georgia. I, when, when have we seen fun Georgia? I think we saw it one drive in the Notre Dame game. There was one drive in the, in the A&M game. I think it was fun for... Fun Georgia was out for about the whole first half of the Florida game. So, yeah, bring bring Fun Georgia ever, to ever Atlanta. Because ten- that's the only way you're going to win. Ever since the uh, – uh, wow. Okay, so ever since a 55-0 win over Arkansas State, uh, they've basically been scoring in the 20s every week with the exception of that Tennessee game. That, that, this, is, this, is, this is just the speed they want to play at, you know? That's exactly right. So – and I get it. Listen, my wife gets on me all the time. She says I drive too slow, and I say we get there, don't we? But you know what? You ain't getting there if you're racing LSU. You are gonna have to be fun, Georgia. So I, I am, you either you I either got to be fun, that, Georgia, that or you got to really create sad LSU. Right? It's one of the two. Right, but Georgia's not a huge turnover sack right. team. They are a don't let you move the ball and then you punt team. But against LSU, that's that's not enough. You've got to make them make some mistakes and and, and create some chaos, which is something that, that Kirby Smart's been harping on for most of the season. So we will see if they're going to be that team. But, man, I just – I don't know. I don't 
see them beating LSU playing the way they've been playing. It will take a total personality transplant. And I think what Kirby's going to say is, listen, this is the way it's going to work. This is the way it has to work because you got to play great defense to win championships. But I think the worm has kind of turned on that. You have to play good defense and great offense yeah. now. What uh, coming out of this weekend, like if if you were now that now that we've kind of seen the, the chaos at the Pac-12, like if you were bracing for one kind of big monumental shift in this this playoff, do you think it's more likely to come from the SEC or the Big Ten at this point? Because they both like LSU still has a couple great games left. Ohio State has a couple great games left. What what do you feel like is more likely to kind of just blow this whole thing up? At the risk of making another terrible prediction like I did with Arizona State and, and Oregon, I don't worry about LSU against Texas A&M because they have not forgotten yeah. last year. I think they will attempt to beat Texas A&M by 1,000 if they can. Oh, yeah. So I'm not worried about LSU's motivation for that game. I am somewhat worried, although I probably shouldn't be. I don't know why I talk myself into this every year. Michigan-Ohio State. Doesn't it feel like Michigan's playing its best football yes. right now? Doesn't it feel like we just saw Ohio State look mortal? Could it happen? Could next week be the week that it finally breaks, the dam breaks, which I don't know that that knocks Ohio State out of the playoff. I think Ohio State can afford to lose yeah. to Michigan, win the Big Ten title, and make the playoff, but I don't know if, if they lose to Michigan – we will look at them completely differently. Oh, you're right, and and shoot, they'll 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 start erecting the Harbaugh statue if that happens, right? That would be unbelievable. I mean, um, and and you're right, it doesn't knock them out of things. It just makes it complicated for everybody below them, um, and it makes the race for the fourth spot a little bit spicier. But I, I'm with you. Like I, I don't know. I, 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 I guess we have to think back to last year when when so many kind of talked themselves into you know. Ohio State's really on the ropes here. Michigan's looking pretty great. And then just an absolute beatdown. It's hard to kind of shake that memory and, and and convince myself that Michigan has something cooking for Ohio State. I was at that game. And watching Michigan defenders just flail at air as Ohio State receivers caught crossing routes and, and ran forever, like it's burned into my memory. I can't. I can't believe I am even allowing myself to think Michigan right. might win this game. It shouldn't. But I got to be honest. Since the second half of the Penn State game, Michigan's looked really good. Really. Like, better, I think, better than they looked last year because they're more dynamic. I know they were they were dominant on defense down the stretch last year, but we we saw what happened against Ohio State. They got out-athleted. Yeah. Their offense looks dynamic now. They are out athleting other people. It's true. It's true. I I don't know. I I wonder if we're overreacting a little bit to Ohio State, you know, having the slightest bit of trouble with Penn State because you know, so many of these other teams um, you know, Oklahoma especially, Georgia. I mean, a, a bunch of these teams have had close calls, have had games that that made him sweat. And this is the first time we ever saw any any hint of that from Ohio State. And even then, it wasn't that dangerous in the fourth quarter. So maybe let's, I don't know, we might be overselling it. Or maybe maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a sign that there's 
there's some things there that they're starting to show that, uh, that, that that someone could hit on, and I think Michigan's probably better equipped to do that, uh, you know, than Wisconsin or Minnesota would be. So, before we move out of the playoff, because I know there are some listeners who do not appreciate us talking only playoff, we are going to move to the smaller stories that I'm sure you've been following. But let me let me give you the scenario, Max. Ohio State goes undefeated. Clemson goes undefeated. LSU beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. Oklahoma is 12 and one in the Big 12 champ. Utah is 12 and one in the Pac 12 champ. Alabama beats Auburn and finishes 11 and one. Who you got at number four? Uh, well, I think I would think Oklahoma. Um, but honestly, this is this is sort of the problem with the way this is all structured. Is it's just going to come down to the last impression. It's just going to come down to the conference title games. And did one of those teams uh, that got to play that weekend do something that kind of opened people's eyes? And and I could see that being Oklahoma. Um, you know, maybe more so than 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 Utah. But I don't know, man. It's it's. I, I just I don't like what we've I don't love what we've seen from Oklahoma lately and 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 they've been you know this was this was another game I think they had three turnovers in this game and the, the turnover margin for them is I think in double you know negative double digits now so I I feel like it, I feel like it's going to come to bite them at some point or they play just so many close games uh, that they're not taking as taken as seriously as maybe they should be you know. Well, it's the same thing we had to talk ourselves into into Oregon. After the Washington right. game, because I kept telling myself, it, it's just a, that was Washington's Super Bowl. Oregon's going to be fine. It's not that they struggled against a team that's pretty mediocre this year. No, that that's what happened. That's who Oregon was. And we just had to sort of accept that. And now, now they've been exposed by Arizona State. I don't know who who that comes for next, but... It certainly feels like Oklahoma would be that team, be it in Bedlam or in the Big 12 championship game. Because as we've talked about, they lose to K-State. They probably should have lost to Iowa State. They should have gotten another crack at that two-point conversion because that was definitely pass interference. Uh, They have to come back against Baylor. They hang on by the skin of their teeth against TCU. That it's they've been living very dangerously, and so I, I think I think you're right. I, we probably should just, and it's the same thing when you're talking about the the Michigan Ohio State game. Sometimes you just are who you are, and we probably should just accept that instead of trying to talk ourselves into things. <laughs> hey, hey, man, it's it's too late to change it at this point. We'll be back with more podcast action right after this. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like "I lost my mojo." Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all for the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Staples and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Staples 
to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Staples for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Staples. And now back to the podcast. All right, let's, let's move past the playoff. Let's talk about a game that will echo in eternity. And I say that because our uh, Manny Navarro, who covers Miami for us, he tweeted a quote from Manny Diaz in the, in the press conference following the Miami FIU game. And Manny admitted it is one of the lowest moments in the history of the Canes program. A 30-24 to loss at FIU in Marlin Stadium, which used to be where the Orange Bowl was. And for those who don't remember, in 2006, Miami and FIU played in the Orange Bowl. There was a giant brawl. Lamar Thomas was doing the, the color commentary and saying, you don't come up in the OB and do that. There was a guy named Ahmad Ned who was an injured FIU player on crutches. Crutches and jeans. Hobbled out, into, <laughs> hobbled out into the brawl and tried to fight with crutches in the most South Florida moment of all time. Also a very dark moment, wouldn't you say? Not really. That was... That was that, <laughs> That was an on-brand moment. This was a dark moment for Miami because it's, it was 30-24, to 24, but it didn't feel that close. I mean, the, Miami needed to mount a pretty furious comeback to get to 30-24. to 24. They, they were one touchdown down a little bit earlier in the fourth quarter, but then just let FIU run it right back down the field. How much is that is, of that is Butch Davis going, you know what? Could have had me. Could have had me a couple times. Yeah, and it was, you know, and also give credit to uh, watching that game. I was like, you know, this this running back is is pretty impressive. Looked him up, Anthony Jones. Oh, he's Dalvin Cook's brother. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense why he's so good. And the uh, and and James Morgan, who uh, their quarterback, the, they brought in as a grad transfer. Um, I mean, FIU just just took care of business. They they put a big enough lead on it uh, that all the pressure was on Miami really in that whole second half, and uh, you know. My goodness, I, that's a uh, that that's a dark one for Miami, especially when you consider sort of the pregame stakes there, where there was sort of this kind of this potential hype on Miami. Oh, if, you know, if they could get to eight and four, they just might be able to sneak Maybe into finish the, eight and four. Right? It'd be crazy. But they could they could have there's some possibility of of sneaking into the Orange Bowl there, you know, because of that that whole kind of problem of who represents the ACC uh, in the New Year Six there. Um, Things were sort of setting up for them after winning three in a row and uh, and and beating a really good Louisville team um, in their last one. But that was man that that that's a, that's a that's a new low and that and that's for a team whose last loss was to a really bad Georgia Tech team. That's exactly right. Now now the trip to the Orange Bowl may be decided on Black Friday between Virginia and Virginia Tech as Virginia tries to win that game for the first time since 2003. Man. Man. That, hey, shout out to uh shout out to Virginia Tech. I think we were a lot of people were uh sort of pouring Oh, I was done with them after Duke. Done. Yeah. The the the, the dirt was being poured all over them and and now they're they're back. Yeah, they they are back and you know, sending Bud Foster out at Lane Stadium with a really big performance with a shutout. I mean, how much better does it get than that? And there's been a lot of, you know, Bud Foster tributes, but I think our Andy Bitter wrote one of the best ones. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you subscribe to The Athletic, go read that if you haven't already. If you don't subscribe to The Athletic, what are you waiting for? 
It's the best deal in sports. Best sports writing in the world for less than a latte a month. Go to theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. That's theathletic.com slash A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-P-L-E-S. Get 40% off your first year. You like how I slipped that in there, Max? That is, a, that is a, some savvy businessman moves right there. Well done, Andy. Thank you, thank you. Well, speaking of future savvy business people, Harvard and Yale Ooh. played on Saturday. A thriller. Went to overtime. Yale ends or Yale wins the game in overtime, 50 to 43, near darkness, by the way. They don't have lights at the Yale Bowl. And so they needed to get off the field before it got dark. They barely got off the field, barely got the game done because there was a protest at halftime where a bunch of people rushed the field to protest the endowment, the Harvard endowment, investing in fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have much information Which, to provide about this, Andy. I I literally did not see I didn't see this coming at all. I did I, I uh that was a uh I mean, look, good job by them, but to get everybody talking about it by doing a a long sit in in the middle of the field, clearly that uh you know, good strategy on their part. My goodness. It took an hour. And I believe it was, it may have been students from both schools. I'm, I'm looking at the photos. There's Yale and Harvard students. So, and obviously both schools have massive endowments. And uh, so they, they were asking their schools to change how they invest their money. We're not going to get political here. This is not a political podcast. There are plenty of other podcasts you listen to for politics. But I there, will there say. There are much smarter podcasts you, about pl- climate change out there. I'm, I'm sure of that. Yes. I guarantee you this. But. If you're them, if you're the protesters, why are you surprised that the oldest of the old money is invested in, in oil? Like, why is that shocking to you? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's that's pretty reasonable take on your part. Also, how many of those protesters was it their first football game attending those schools? <laughs> I'm, I'm reading the recap here. The public address announcer implored the group to leave, repeating, as a courtesy to both teams, the oh, game must the best resume. Part, best part. Protesters responded by chanting, OK, Boomer. Yeah, for those, and, and listen, we're all listening to a podcast here, so we're all internet savvy, but for the two of you who, who have not heard this thing yet, this is a thing that, that has appeared on the internet in the last few weeks where millennials respond to everything with, Okay, boomer, as in be quiet, old baby boomer. We don't care what you think. Now, Max and I are not baby boomers. We are children. Decidedly of not. Baby boomers. So, yeah. So, but that is that is the stock response now. So, you know, and, and I don't like to stereotype the millennials. There's some really nice millennials. We have some great millennials working for us at, at the athletic. Boy, we have a lot but, of millennials working you know, for us at the athletic. There's no doubt. But, Really, when they're when they are talking over their avocado toast, they should come up with a better thing. Like the OK Boomer thing is not funny. It's just kind of dumb, and it got played out within ooh, about three hours. Do you, do you think the protesters realized that they had a chance to actually uh, mess up the ending of that game? Do you think they realized that the game would not be played in the dark? I don't think they realized that, nor do I think they realized the game would go to overtime because I don't think any of them cared about the outcome of the game. So they, they probably weren't going, you know what? I think 
I think this may wind up tied. <laughs> These teams are pretty evenly matched, guys. If, if, I looked at the spread before the game, and I thought, you know, if we can if we can delay this thing for about an hour and it does go to overtime, they might get a no contest here. <laughs> guys, if we can just hold out for 15 or 20 more minutes, I, 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 I've looked at the sunset time. I think we can pull this off. I mean, listen, New Haven, Connecticut is pretty far to the east, so it, the sun's setting pretty early. That's... That's about, you know, it's not the eastern edge of the eastern time zone, but it's pretty far east. So I just, you know, I admire their moxie, but you're getting zip tied if you sit on the football field. That This is one of those general rules. Like, fun George is not coming out when you want him to, and if you sit down in the middle of the football field and won't leave, you're getting zip tied. I, I mean, I suppose that is the beauty of this sport, though, Andy, that, that I think when we woke up this morning – we, we did not realize that this job would require us to consider things like Puerto Rico debt relief, you know? You never know what's going to happen on a Saturday. I, I don't... <laughs> exactly. Now, do you think any of those protesters, as they sat, said, you think Fun George is coming out today? Do you think James Coley's going to really unleash Jake Fromm? Or are they just going to try to ride swift and not really even let him bounce outside? Do, do you think that conversation happened on the field? At the Yale Bowl during the one-hour half. I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to guess no. I, I I think they were more focused on trying to get arrested. Well, see, there's where the, there's your problem. I don't think they solved anything today. So here's an idea: if they want to get some more attention for their cause, sit down at the 50-yard line at Bobby Dodd Stadium next week during clean old-fashioned hate. Because, listen, I don't think Georgia Tech, they're, they're too busy celebrating that big win over NC State on Thursday night. I don't think Georgia Tech's got much mm-hmm. for Georgia. Those protesters, because we know they, they've got moxie, we know they're willing to sit there and get arrested, sit at the 50-yard line and chant, we want fun Georgia, we want fun Georgia. <laughs> I, I, like where, I like where you're going with this. Make Jake Fromm great again. Oh, man. Oh, boy. This is a uh, Harvard-Yale, everybody. This is uh, I kind of forgot it was today, and then they made us all remember the game is, uh, is, is not one to be forgotten. That's why they call it yeah. the game. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to enlist these people. I, if, if you need me, I will be in Cambridge and New Haven rounding these people up and explaining what fun Georgia looks like versus what normal Georgia looks like. And we will be on the field at the 50-yard line at clean old-fashioned hate in Atlanta, and we're not leaving until we And the folks in the stands will be like, you know, let's, maybe, let's, let's hear them out. Let's, let's hear what they have to say. I, I think the Georgia fans will agree with us. I think they'll actually boo the cops when they zip tie us. That, that may be. Well, my weekend set for next week, I was going to go to the Ohio State-Michigan game, but this sounds more fun. So we'll see if I can round up some protesters and bring fun Georgia to life in time for the SEC championship game. But until then, Max, we got a lot to cover. We're going to be writing a ton of stories in The Athletic. We can read your takeaways at theathletic.com or on your athletic app. Hopefully... You have subscribed to this lovely podcast, and hopefully you reviewed it. 
Uh, we like the five-star reviews. You feel free to, to vote your conscience on that one. We love it when you tell us what breakfast you cook while you listen to the podcast. Ooh. You can hit me up at Andy underscore Staples on Twitter. Yeah, that's a new thing. They, they were Everybody was telling me what they were cooking for breakfast. There were some good... What do you, what do you got for tomorrow? A lot of bacon. Oh, I don't know. What am I going to make? See, that's the problem. I'm probably eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I wake up late on Sundays because we're up into the wee hours taping this podcast. So by the time I wake up, I just want something light so I'm not spoiling lunch. Mm-hmm. But there, there are some folks that are getting it done in terms of breakfast, eggs benedict, uh, pancakes, lot, all kinds of different, you know, chocolate chip pancakes, banana pancakes, cinnamon pancakes. So it was, it was, I it was elevated. What like it was, it was not, uh, it was not bacon and eggs. Like these people were really showing off to you. Oh no, they're not just throwing out the griddle. You know, they're not pouring a bowl of fruity pebbles. People are making an effort. So folks out there listening, hit me up. I want to hear what you are cooking for breakfast with this podcast. I also want you to come back on Tuesday night because we'll be breaking down the College Football Playoff Selection Committee's latest rankings. Oh, and by the way, before that, we may even have a little surprise, a little bonus podcast for you on Tuesday morning. Stay tuned. It's all happening here at the Andy Staples Show. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again on Tuesday.